We're reading from the book of Jonah, chapter 4. If you have the Red Bibles, it's on page 775. Jonah's anger and the Lord's compassion. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my own country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attached to the plant, attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, and did you make it grow? You did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in the night and perished in the night. And should, should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? It's a letter... Okay, everyone can stand up. Stand up. Just uh, unstick your clothes. Shorts, shirt. Rest, okay. While you're standing, um, there's something that God does sometimes with his people is that um, he asks them to stand before him uh, as he speaks to them. And so uh, as you sort of standing here... Um, Maybe this um, is symbolic of your willingness to stand before God's word that's going to come to you today. That's been my prayer for you during this week. Uh, and that as you hear this word come to you, um, and as you wrestle with what we've just read and the things that I'm going to say, that you would ask God 
to move you, to change you, to confront you, to encourage you uh, in this time. So it's a weighty thing we do this morning. It's not something we just do every Sunday. It's actually we're here to listen to God speak to us. You can take a seat. So I feel a little bit like Jonah, uh, sitting under the uh, tree with a scorching hot wind, and you might too. Uh, So uh, hopefully God will uh, get us through this and speak to us uh, in it. Uh, Quick recap, over the last few weeks we've been um, looking at the book of Jonah, Um, and so Joel and uh, Andrew have spoken to us about this uh, interesting little book um, that we find tucked away in the Old Testament there that has, as you've been probably experiencing already, has much to say to us uh, in our current culture and uh, situation. And so um, we've got some slides when they're up, but they're not there. Joel um, spoke to us uh, in chapter 1 a bit about um, Jonah receiving the call. Uh, And he came to us, uh, Joel spoke to us talking about uh, running, sleeping and reaching. Uh, He asked us the question, uh, which way are you running? Are you running towards God? Are you running to be like God or are you running away from God? Um, And one of the things that we're going to do, and today's uh, message is particularly uh, like this, when we're confronted by the word of God, it often causes us to ask questions. And that's what I'm hoping will happen today. It will actually ask you or cause you to ask lots of questions. And I'm actually going to ask you lots of questions. Uh, And so, uh, again, Joel began that and saying, you know, we've got us to wrestle with uh, how are we living each day? Um, How are we living in the call that God may have given us with the people he's placed us amongst? Uh, He asked us the question, are you asleep? Are you like Jonah in the boat and you're asleep while everyone out there is trying to save themselves, save the world? Uh, And then he spoke too about uh, God's uh, amazing reach. God is always uh, continually reaching out with his mercy. um, um, And it's far-reaching, it's extensive, it's to those that maybe we least expect. Um, and he reminded us there that the hidden character uh, in this whole story uh, is God himself, and he is the one that's reaching out with mercy. He is the one that's reaching out with compassion um, to those. And the, and the, the, the question and the call that was before Jonah and is before us as we interact is, am I going to obey? Am I going to do what God has asked me to do, or am I going to disobey and go my own way? Andrew followed that up as he spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago about uh, this amazing, far-reaching mercy and grace of God Uh, that uh, people like the sailors who were uh, pagans, they were praying to other gods, they were seeking other gods, they thought there were other gods that might save them. They thought that they could save themselves and they were doing all sorts of stuff to save themselves. And God... um, doesn't punish them. He actually comes to them in mercy and compassion and, says, and he actually saves them. Uh, for uh, the Ninevites, the enemies of God, um, and Joel sort of alluded to some of the things that they did um, that 
uh, yeah, if you do read, it, you know, some of the stuff that we hear about ISIS today, these guys put ISIS to shame, if you read in their history. So, and yet, God's amazing mercy and grace goes to people like that. And he saves them. And uh, as Andrew pointed out, he goes to Jonah himself, the prophet who runs away, disobey, and as we've heard today, gets angry at God. And yet God comes to him and asks, shows him mercy and grace and asks him uh, to be led to repentance, as Andrew uh, talked about. That was this unending, un- amazing, far-reaching uh, grace and mercy of God that when people encounter it, it leads them to a place of repentance and saying, sorry, we will serve you, we will worship you, we will obey you because uh, you are a merciful, loving, uh, just God. Andrew touched a little bit on it last week and he did that well as we, oh, sorry, two weeks ago as he led into the Lord's Supper because there is this tension in what I've just been saying and in the book of Jonah is what do we do with God's justice that should come against evil and the things and disobedience that Jonah has done, the sailors have done and the Ninevites have done and how do we balance that with God's love, mercy and compassion and uh, Andrew did that so well by pointing us to the Lord's Supper, didn't he? he? God brings his righteousness, his love, and his justice together in the cross. And he himself comes and saves uh, these people because he's the one that could do it. And then he says, anyone who would believe in that, have faith in that, becomes partakers of my grace and mercy. As we uh, go through this, we get a little bit of a snippet of um, uh, the idea that um, the Jonah's not a very good prophet. Um, and when we're thinking about, we, we as New Testament believers um, know of Jesus being a prophet and that he is by far the better prophet and that Jesus is by far the better Jonah. Because uh, as we just read here, Jonah goes outside the city and he whinges and complains. Uh, Jesus goes outside the city of Jerusalem and he dies. Or what else did he do outside the city? As he looked upon Jerusalem and he looked upon the mess that it was and he weeps over it. And so Jesus then, as for these, these people that he's about to go into the city, Jesus goes into the city And they kill him as he brings the message to them. And on that cross, we see the fullness of God's amazing mercy and grace. That God's riches uh, come to us at Christ's expense as he suffers the punishment that should have been ours. And a mercy and grace that is undeserved is given to anyone that would put their trust in him, no matter what they have done. That's pretty cool. And so today I want us to wrestle a little bit with um, what do we do with our enemies? And I've titled this message, uh, Grace or God's Mercy for You and Your Enemies. Because in chapter 4, that's sort of what's happening at the end. Uh, Jonah's sitting there as he's waiting for God's judgment to come on Nineveh, but 
doesn't happen. And God's grace is given to Jonah as well as the Ninevites. And so um, as the Bible does and as all good sort of storytelling uh, happens, uh, and that's what the writers of the Bible often did, they took true events that happened uh, and they gave them theological expression in the way that they wrote. And so they're actually, uh, this is a, a, a true event that happened, and now we're saying, but there's messages in this event that happened. So as, as, and what that does, what a story and, and narrative in particular does, as I think Joel alluded to it, it enables us as readers, some 2,000 years or many thousands years later, uh, the opportunity to enter into the story. So we can put ourselves in Jonah's place, we can put ourselves in the place of the sailors, we can put ourselves in the place of the Ninevites, um, we can even put ourselves in the place of God in this. And, how. and so I just want you to ask these questions. Reading Jonah chapter 4 that a letter just read, I just want to ask you the question, how do you feel about Jonah? Just in your mind, how do you feel about Jonah? When you read chapter 4 and you hear some of the things he said to God, how do you feel about him? Uh, or in this story, and like I just said, the Ninevites put Isis to shame. How do you feel about them? What do you think about a people like that? That tore people limb from limb, that did all sorts of horrific things. And in this story, as you've been engaging with it and thinking about it over the last month, what do you think about God? What, what actually sort of stirs you or what sort of emotions or thoughts do you get about God in that place? I know that when I read this, you know, the, the, the feelings about Jonah came, oh, he's such a selfish so-and-so. He's always on about himself. He doesn't even care. <laughs> what sort of guy is this? Those Ninevites who are bought on the destruction of God's people, who were oppressive beyond anything that we could even imagine. How could God let them get away with that? Someone needs to show them Ninevites. How did you feel about God? God, why would you send someone like Jonah? How could he save anyone? It's a bit strange, isn't it? God, why, what's this all fish and plants and worms? And, and so as we wrestle with these questions, it's, it's getting us to think about how, how do, what does this mean for my life? How do I apply this? What is this story? How does it affect the way I live my life today? And so I first want to come out with a little bit of a defense for Jonah. Um, just realize that uh, no other prophet in all of the Old Testament had ever done what Jonah had to do in that he had to go to a foreign nation and proclaim mercy to them or, or proclaim a message to them. Um, no other prophet... Um, quite gets a result like Jonah does. It's from his, I think someone said it's an eight-word sermon that he brings. And, and no other. So he has an amazing result, even though it seems his heart's not in it. Um, and I think 
that what we often don't see, we read everything in light of the New Testament in particular, the way that God generally dealt with his enemies in the Old Testament, not even more than generally, uh, generally pretty well always, <laughs> the way that God dealt with foreign nations was how? To destroy them. Pretty well every other scenario, God destroyed them or the Israelites were supposed to wipe them out. The way that the Old Testament showed that you deal with enemies is that you wipe them out. You bring God's justice to bear on them. And so if you think that's the context that Jonah's sitting here, you can understand a little bit why he's a bit peeved at God. This is not the way, this is not who you are. How can you let them get away with what they're doing? How can you let them oppress your people? And I think um, as we New Testament readers, as we go into the New Testament, uh, the way God deals with enemies in the New Testament is quite different, isn't it? What does Jesus say about enemies? Love them, pray for them, pray for those who persecute you. And so often this is where we, we get sort of distorted to, that there's a different God in the Old Testament than there is in the New Testament. That's an untruth. <laughs> what we get uh, as we read through the Old Testament and the New Testament is we get different aspects of God's character being displayed in different ways. So in the Old Testament, you get lots of God's sort of judgment and you get snippets and foretastes of mercy, usually to individuals and foreigners as individuals rather than nations. In the, Old, in the New Testament, you get God's um, sort of unending grace going out to his enemies, to the Gentiles, to uh, anyone who would believe. Uh, and you probably get less judgment in the, in the New Testament. And so that's the way, as we sit and read this story, that's the way we read it a bit. So in defence of Jonah, I think I can understand a little bit why he was angry. Um, I think we probably now, and you might relate to this, that we often preach God's love and grace and mercy and we don't talk about God's judgment or wrath or punishment. We're actually, somehow, they're supposed to actually be brought together um, as we saw what happened to Jesus on the cross. So we're going to wrestle uh, with that, but a little bit of context there might help us uh, as we deal with this. Uh, we go to the next slide. Uh, grace for you and your enemies. So I, I, I'm going to ask you four questions, and hopefully these questions will help you engage with this. Uh, first question is, Jonah had a problem with the Ninevites, the question I want to is, who do you have a problem with? Who do you not want to go to? Who do you, in your life, uh, is deserving of God's judgment and you want to let them know about it? Or you want God to enact it out? Have a bit of a think. I think there's some big picture stuff, like, so I went to ISIS, I went to some of the stuff that's happened in Nigeria, I went to some of the stuff that's happened in Indonesia. I want a justice and God's judgment. But then maybe bringing it closer to home, think about who that might be. Uh, the, the next question I want you to ask yourself as we go through this is what gets you angry at God? Because that's the message. There's this God's compassion is going to his enemies. Uh, 
Um, Jonah gets angry about that, so we want to engage with what gets us angry. Uh, what has God provided you in order for you to see his mercy and grace? Because God provides a few things in this whole story in order for people to see his mercy and grace. What's he given you that you can see his mercy and grace more? And uh, who is God calling you to? Who has he uh, asked you to uh, proclaim his message of grace to? So we're going to wrestle with those as we go through. Let's quickly go through um, each one of them. So who do you have a problem with? Uh, the question that I've been asking a few people and I've been asking myself, who are my enemies? Do you have enemies? We, we don't particularly relate to the idea of having enemies the way that maybe we read it in biblical times. I think we probably understand spiritual enemies like Satan, the world, sin, the old self, that, those sorts. But who are people enemies? Who would you cons- if someone said, I want you to write down who your enemies are, just in your brain, write them down. Who would you consider your enemies? And I want you to think about um, you know, some of the big stuff, but I also want you to think of some specific people you might know. And maybe we don't have sort of enemies per se, but maybe there's this question of who are the people I avoid? Because that's what Jonah was doing. He's avoiding them. He's running. Who, who are the types of people that I avoid? Or who don't I like? That's what this story is getting us to wrestle with. <laughs> Who don't I like? Just have a think about it. Write down the names. Uh, we're going to deal with a little bit about uh, what do we do about justice for evil people. <laughs> and there are some of us sitting in here that we have a problem with ourselves. We actually don't like ourselves. We consider ourselves enemies of God. We view ourselves with self-loathing. Is that your situation as well? As I wrestled with these sorts of questions and thoughts, I thought to myself of some of those big ones that I talked about before. I thought about child abusers. I thought about the Mardi Gras that was on last night. I thought about the Safe Schools program that's being brought out by our... I thought about our government's drive to allow abortion, to make it happen. I thought about Muslim people... But I, went for, I just thought of other people of other races who are different to me. I thought about people who live next door to me that are awkward, that have mental illnesses, who live a lifestyle that is so different that I don't connect or relate or I find offensive. How do you react when God asks you this question? Shouldn't I be concerned about them? Shouldn't I want them to be saved? 
the story of Jonah is a confronting one. <laughs> Jesus follows the same way, doesn't he? Because he calls us to follow him. And then who does he go to? He goes to the sinners, the outcasts, those that were not like him at all. God tends to call people that he has a problem with. Someone like Paul, of all people, a persecutor himself, probably a murderer, a hater of the church. Tax collectors, Pharisees, prostitutes, sinners. And he comes to them with an amazing, like that, that, that's, that's just amazing, that's just, that's just crazy, that's just silly, isn't it? To go to them with a message of, I forgive you. The Bible makes it very clear and the story makes it very clear of Jonah um, that no one's beyond saving. And then Jesus says to us, his church, I'm sending you into that great city. I'm sending you into Melbourne, into your suburbs, into your schools, into your workplaces. And I'm sending you with a message of grace and mercy, as well as a warning that Jesus is coming back again. And it is, someday justice will come and it will be shown to bear that judgment and punishment will come. Of great God's grace and mercy in that context. Whew, who do I have a problem with? Let's go to the next one. What gets you angry at God? Most people will sort of answer this suffering and pain, which doesn't seem justified. Or um, I think behind all of that is this sense of God not doing what we want him to do. There is the question of what do we do? <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, is it okay to be angry at God? Is that okay? Uh, how do you feel about injustice? I think um, a big one when we deal with, with suffering and pain is uh, not sort of knowing what God's up to, it not making sense. Yet Jonah and the New Testament, the look at the way the disciples acted with Jesus. They didn't, what are you doing? They had no sense of what God was doing. And that often, I think, dealt with, it led them to frustration, almost to anger with the way that he dealt with situations. Not doing what you want. I, I, I think this crazy picture of Jonah sitting out on a hill and a plant growing up over his plant, and what does the Bible record about how Jonah felt about that? Can you remember what a letter read? He was exceedingly happy about a plant that gave him shade 
God's blessing. And yet God then takes it away with a worm and sends him a wind and saves Nineveh. He's not happy about any of them. (laughs) And I just thought to myself, yeah, what do I get happy about? (laughs) Sometimes I get happy about when things go my way. But am I happy or do I have a sense, I'll probably use the word of joy or contentment. Am I content that God even works through suffering, pain, hardship, sin, brokenness, messed up people? I know, he is, he's at work, he's at work in me, I see that. I think it's Tim Keller that says, um, he says, just because you can't see that there is a plan working out doesn't mean there isn't one. Okay, just hear that again. Just because you can't see that there's a plan working out, being worked out, doesn't mean there isn't one. Because often we want to see it. So where does that lead us? It leads us to a place of faith, of trusting in a God who knows better than we know in order... So he sends a worm and he sends a hot wind and to the point where Jonah says, I want to die. It's not worth living. And you know what God's up to? What's God up to in that? God's up to showing him his mercy and grace. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, is it okay to be angry at God? Uh, it is. Ooh, let's say that. Read the Psalms. Read Jonah. I think there's um, a place where frustration, things work out. There, there's anger is an emotion that we all experience. God experiences this righteous anger. But the Bible has this big warning <laughs> about where it leads you. Anger can lead you to a place which is not... So it can lead you to a place where you become resentful at God and you put expectations on God, which are sins. <laughs> and, you've, and so um, it's okay to be uh, expressive of anger. And I, I always look at the, the Psalms and the way they express the rawness of not understanding why God's doing what he's doing. Think of the Psalms where David talks about, why are you letting my enemies prosper? This is crazy. You're crazy. What are you doing, God? I'm supposed to be your king. I'm supposed to be your anointed one. I'm supposed to be the one that... And you're letting them get away with this? And then usually the Psalms end with, but it's not about me, it's about you. (laughs) I'm going to trust you and come back to you because I know that you're loving, gracious and merciful and your plans are beyond what I can understand. He even says it, uh, Jonah does in chapter 2, doesn't he? I know that you are gracious and compassionate, rich in love, slow to become angry. Okay, next one. Oh, sorry, the last bit too is um, it's good for us to get angry at injustice. So we should get angry about abortion and the breakdown of of family and stuff like that. We We get angry at the issues... We can probably get angry at those that perpetrate them, but watch that we do it with justice and res- uh, sorry, humility and respect and honour <laughs> as we engage in that. Um, where are we up to? Next one. Uh, what has God provided you? This is an interesting one. So right through this story, God is providing things all the time. So at the first, he provides a word 
that's going to go to Nineveh. Um, Jonah re rejects that. He then provides a storm that's going to stop Jonah. Then he provides a calm. So this is the he uses this language specifically. God provided this. God provided a storm. God provided a calm. God provided a fish. God provided a prophet. God provides a message. God provides a plant. He provides a worm. He provides a wind. And at the end, he provides a question. And all of these provisions of God are in order for people to see and experience his mercy and grace. So all along, Jonah's getting lots of them, but along the way, the storm is given to the sailors. It's actually through that storm, it's through that near-death experience that they experience the supernatural work of God. They hear the good news that there is a God and they see it as God provides a calm and he saves the sailors. Uh, Jonah gets thrown out and he's in the swirling and God provides a fish of all things. Uh, and what does that do? It leads Jonah in the belly of that fish to a place of repentance. He experiences God's mercy because he's just saved his life in a supernatural way and he experienced the, the richness and the depths of God's mercy and grace that he would have never have before. Can you see how God uses all things, suffering, pain, sin, brokenness, rebellion, in order to reveal his mercy and grace? Uh, he provides a prophet uh, that goes in with a message, then it, the plant, the worm, the wind, and then a question, which is the question that comes to us, isn't it? Shouldn't I have mercy? Shouldn't I have concern for this broken and messed up world that you live in? For all of those people that you listed as your enemies, shouldn't I have concern for them? They're created in my image. They're broken and messed up, but I want them to be mine. I want them to live with me. I want them to be part of my family. So the question is, what's God provided you in order for you to see and experience his grace and mercy in a much deeper, richer way? Sometimes they're good things, aren't they? Sometimes they're not so good things. And so as you go out, hopefully you list that you think, oh God, what are you showing me? What are you teaching me in this situation? How do I understand your grace and mercy in this situation? I, I still continue to be gobsmacked at God. Don't use that word that often, do I? Um, that he uses sin... He uses rebellion of us in order to reveal his love and grace to us. And it's often, isn't it, you've heard people talk about uh, being at rock bottom. Being at rock bottom and then experiencing a love and grace of God that I would have never have had if I wasn't. Can you think of a place in your life where you, you were like that? I remember when Coraline's dad was dying of motor neurone disease I remember him saying, I don't know if it was to me or to a group, he just said, uh, now I have to practice what I've preached all these years. As his body was wasting away and he was becoming incapacitated, he said, yeah, I look back on my life and I was proud of what my body could do. I was proud of how fit I was and how I could win sports and stuff like that. And, God <laughs> and he said, it's almost a bit like the story of Jonah. It's irony, isn't it? But I would say that Coraline's dad, and I heard him testify, 
to the richness of God's grace and mercy that he would have never have seen if he had never died of motor neurone disease. And so I look at pain and suffering in a very different way. <laughs> I ask question, what are you up to, God? What are you showing me? How am I... As I go through all the pain and suffering of that, uh, what it should do to us as, as people who are ourselves... How did God call us? Um, what does God call us in the New Testament? Uh, enemies of him. <laughs> Remember? When you were still enemies of me, I died for you. While you were still sinners... I went to the cross. So we, as enemies of God, have been recipients of this grace. We should have empathy to put ourselves in the place of people that might be going through suffering or hardship or rebellion in order for them to hear the grace of God. Last one, who are you called to? Um, I think Joel picked on a good bit about that because it happens with Jonah. Who's Jonah really being called back to? He's been called to the Ninevites, but he's actually being called back to God. It's actually been called to a new relationship with Yahweh. Um, your friends, think about the friends that you work with or you're at uni with. Think about family members. Think about that awkward aunt, that really obnoxious uncle, that family member that always seems to be at you because you're a Christian. Or think about some of your neighbours. And that list of enemies again. And then be confronted <laughs> that as God's people, as God's prophets, the church, you are being called to them with a message of mercy and grace as you confront them with the reality that Jesus is coming back again and he's going to bring justice. But now is the time of grace and mercy Think about, as I think Joel sort of touched on this earlier, it's been going in my head, um, my call to follow Jesus. Am I doing it that? My call to be witnesses, a witness. Am I giving the reason for the hope that I have? The call in particular to people who are different than me. And I think, oh, this is the picture I had. Ask yourself, who is God vomiting you out in front of? It's a good picture. So you, you're in the valley of the whale, you understand God's grace and mercy, and then he spits you out in people in your path. Who's, who are the people that God's putting in your path? That he says, I want you to confront them with the truth, which involves justice. There, you know, evil's not going to continue. Um, but also with God's mercy and grace. Jesus has given us, or given his church, to be the hope for the world. For all. Okay, this next question, last question. Who wrote the book? This is where Tim Keller goes in his little... Who do you think wrote the book? Doesn't re we don't really know, but what we do know is that Jonah had a big part of it. Because how else would we know this? How else would we know all those details? Okay, the next question, what does that say? What does that say that Jonah wrote this book? It says something, doesn't it? It says that Jonah came to repentance. 
this rebellious, obnoxious, angry prophet on that hill probably overlooking Nineveh experiences the grace and mercy of God to the point where he is willing to humiliate himself for the rest of history. (laughs) Because anyone that reads the book of Jonah thinks Jonah is... No one speaks favourably of Jonah. And so for the rest of history, people ridicule him and mock him. And he says, that's worth it. That's worth it if people can understand the mercy and grace of my Saviour God. And as we uh, wrap up this, this service, I, I, so for us to think about how that... Pl- use, God, uses our hum- uh, you, God uses our brokenness and weakness. Be willing to humble ourselves to do that. God has used my broken and messed up life as I've been willing to share it with people. In Matthew chapter 12, just a reminder that this points us forward to Jesus because Jesus is the better Jonah. Because Jesus, when he refers to Jonah in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he says, For Jonah was in the fish for three days and nights, so the Son of Man will be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. The men in Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation Uh, and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. Now one is greater than Jonah is here. And Jesus says, yeah, I am like a better Jonah, because I spent three days um, in the grave. I suffered God's wrath and punishment, so that the pagans, the rebellious, the broken, the messed up, the mixed up, the enemies of God may be able to receive his mercy and grace. And it's interesting, if you read, and I encourage you this week, is to read Matthew chapter 12 and 13. Because in this chapter 12 and 13, Jesus is in interaction with the Pharisees. Um, Tim Keller, in his book about Jonah that I've been reading, got from Andrew, um, he calls his book... um, Jonah the prodigal prophet. And he actually makes links back to the prodigal son story, or talks about the prodigal God story, where that parable also leaves people with a question. And the question is, will the Pharisees, will the Jews, will the people of God accept his mercy and grace and come into the party? And Jesus confronts the Pharisees here and he confronts them full on. Uh, and he, he confronts them with lots of parables. And, mis- and even it's interesting as the disciples are saying, Jesus, why are you using parables? It's so stupid. Why are you using parables? And Jesus is saying, look, my plans are greater than your plans. I'm revealing stuff to people. And then he sort of starts to explain a little bit. And, he, um, and then he points out that, you know, my judgment is coming. I'm going to come back again and I am bringing ISIS to judgment. I'm bringing the stuff that happens in persecuted... I'm bringing that to judgment. But leave that judgment to me. I'll deal with that at the end. You at the moment, in the light of the New Testament, you in light of what I've done, you be proclaimers of this mercy and truth. 
Don't be ashamed to say that there is a judgment coming. But now is the day for grace and mercy for all who would receive it. And as receivers of it ourselves, it enables us to go with humility, grace and mercy and confidence uh, into those places that we wouldn't want to go. So church, you now are the prophets who have been called with a message of grace and mercy. And it's been my prayer and I, I pray that as you've been hearing this that the Spirit has been at work and that the Spirit will continue to work in us to produce faith. Faith that will trust a God that he knows what he's doing even though we can't see what he's up to. And a faith that will enable us to go to places and go to people that freak us out that we think we can never reach or connect with. And he says to us, just as you've been receivers of that grace and mercy, proclaim it to those I put in your path. Let's pray. Lord and God, we thank you for the message of Jonah. We thank you for this story. We thank you for the amazing story of grace and mercy that you bring. That while we were your enemies, while we are in rebellion against you, when we don't want to do what you want us to do, when we won't want to live the way you want us to live, when we think our own ways are better than your ways, when we get uh, angry and resentful and um, mocking of you, you come to us and say, I love you. I've made a way for you to be my kids and I want to live with you forever. This amazing story of grace and mercy, will you help us to be livers of it and proclaimers of it for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.